Hello, welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, we're doing something a little bit different. I was recently at the Salesforce World Tour Conference in Toronto and thought it would make for a wonderful opportunity to give you the rundown on Salesforce and all the recent developments or things we're seeing come out of them in the last little while. And joining me on this will be a colleague and friend and partner of mine in one of my ventures, Alex Martin. And with that, here is our conversation about Salesforce. Hello, Alex. Hi, Jason. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for taking the time, my buddy. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. I've always wanted to be on your famous podcast. So. Yes, my famous podcast. Well, you know, you've, <laughs> you're friend and partner, so you should have been on a long time ago, but I've been holding up <laughs> just to make you suffer. Okay, so before we get started, tell everybody who you are because you're not the conventional guest. No, so I've got a, a little bit of a varied background. My name's uh, Alex Martin. I uh, started out in game development and programming and development for animated games uh, back in the, in the 1990s, which grew into a, a career of that for a long time before switching over into uh, financial services, of which I've been a uh, financial advisor for uh, the past 10 years with uh, IPC Securities and the Craig and Taylor Associates team therein. And um, now uh, kind of taking those two, uh, those two pieces together and marrying the de development and the uh, financial services together now into a, a company that you know and love very well, Finally Technology, in which I'm one of the founding directors. Yes, and sooner or later, we'll actually have something to talk about on this podcast about what <laughs> yeah. we've done with Finally that was worth talking about in this podcast. We'll start it with the uh, laying the groundwork with, uh, with what we're talking about today, and then we can say yeah. what, what we're going to do with Finally another time. Absolutely. So today, what we wanted to talk about was how we recently attended the uh, Salesforce World Tour in Toronto. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Salesforce, we're going to do a quick rundown. So I'll let Alex start, and then I'll add to it. So, so Alex, what is Salesforce? Well, Salesforce uh, was the first CRM to be 100% uh, uh, developed for the web, which was their kind of founding bread and butter being a, uh, a CRM, uh, customer relations management software, for those that don't know. And, and actually, um, I'd say they were the pioneers of the sales, as a, uh, sorry, software as a service technology. So everything that you're paying a monthly subscription to now, that model was basically pioneered by Salesforce. Absolutely. Absolutely. So they quickly took over, uh, uh, you know, a strong showing on that side. And um, what they've done now, though, is, is it's grown into a, a mammoth of a platform, basically. It now is a development platform, which everything from data services, AI platform services, they've overlaid a development platform on there. And, and they do it for everything from, you know, sales, service and marketing all the way through to, you know, now connecting the Internet of Things and commerce and all kinds of uh, pieces together. So they've laughed in the past and, and we've all kind of talked about how their, their success, regretfully, is um, hindered sometimes by their name. You know, because they started out as a, a CRM company and called themselves Salesforce, and now they're so much more than that. Yep. And, you know, we, it's often one of the big struggles we get when we try to explain to people what it is they are is, you know, everybody's like, oh, there's, oh man, there's such an expensive CRM. And it's like, you're right. If you're using it as a CRM, if you're using it to literally integrate your entire business across countless different methods, then it's actually incredibly affordable. Oh, absolutely. And not only that, I mean, really, not that, not that we're, uh, 
We're not selling Salesforce. We don't represent them. But that being said, the reality around it is, is that if you look into their pricing models, it matters what it is that you require as well. If you're going to buy an enterprise level solution, then from a retail perspective, when you're looking at an enterprise level solution, sure, it's expensive. But the reality around it is, is that no enterprise pays retail for anything. So I'll just point that out to people. Uh, You know, when you actually sit down and you deal with an enterprise group, the list price doesn't really matter. Yeah, things kind of change a little bit. But the other side of the coin is three, you know, uh, for, I don't want to say mom and pop shops, but, you know, a company like um, like Craig and Taylor Associates that I work with, that's, you know, a nine-person company working with financial planning and financial services. And we basically had been working on CRMs for the past 15 years in one way or another using things like Goldmine in the past and um, uh, a different others. Um, you know, we built our internal technology platforms and ability to be able to look through our client databases and, and, and service our clients properly through a CRM. But when you take a company like ours, you know, nine users, and you look at what it is that the requirements are, it's really not that, it's not that expensive when you look at the fact that it's the backbone of what's running your entire practice. Absolutely. Right? So it can be as big or as small as you want it to be. I think uh, some of the mistakes that we all make is we dream to everything that we want and it can be all of those things, but you need to start walking first. And, and sometimes it makes sense to just take some of the smaller pieces and, and start working with them efficiently before you start uh, you know, blowing the thing out into, into trying to rebuild an enterprise. I agree with you entirely. And I mean, my, we say it can touch everything. I mean, they've got different entrances around sales, servicing, um, marketing, e-commerce, engagement, platform development. You can develop your own apps on this, analytics, uh, different specific industry verticals. They developed uh, things called communities for, for putting out information to broader audiences. I mean, they even have, and they're even big in the IoT space. So really, you know, you try to look at this entire thing. It's a lot. And it does not come out of the box for financial services to the same extent that, say, a wealth box or a red tail or something like that in the U.S. would. But you can customize this to any degree. And it's quite astonishing because the, almost the, the answer is almost always yes when the question is asked, can Salesforce do this? Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you almost put in a good pitch for what we're going to be doing it finally, but we'll leave that for now. Um, yes. <laughs> but the, so, uh, yeah. when you look at it, you're buying into something that's, you know, when you talk about the software as a service, it's something that they actually put a lot of effort into. It's not only what you're getting from those components right now, but it's also what they're developing on a quarterly basis. They're putting out multiple iterations and um, new pieces inside of this on a yearly basis. Extensive, so much so it's it's hard to get through the entire document. Absolutely, and it's continually growing, and that seems to be exponentially at the moment. So let's get into some of the feature sets and the stuff we saw at at, uh, Salesforce World Tour. For those of you who don't know, they have this massive, massive... um, Salesforce Geek Festival called Dreamforce in San Francisco, which is probably like the biggest convention now San Francisco hosts on an annual basis. But then they take it on the road for smaller ones all around the, all around the world. You know, Toronto was about 10,000 people there listening. So we're going to talk about a couple of the first infrastructure developments and then kind of the use cases and things we're seeing pushed there. The first one was a big acquisition they did. I think it was last year. It was MuleSoft. And MuleSoft is basically a technology that sits over top of other servers or other legacy servers and creates the ability to basically build your own APIs over top of pre-existing technology. Let's talk about why that's important to businesses. 
Well, I mean, let's just take our industry and financial services as the as an example. You know, when you look at the legacy systems, you want to talk about legacy. Some of our the systems that built into our infrastructures uh, worldwide are probably some of the most legacy systems. Still using patch cards in some cases. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So the reality around that is, is you know, in today's marketplace and world, if we're going to be able to really truly see total view of the customer understand their financial lives in every aspect that we can and with a customer that's now very tech savvy in a lot of cases in more cases than not and have expectations of what our ability should be from a technology side if they can see it we should be able to see it so what we need to be able to do if we're going to do that is we need to pull all of this data into one place or at least have one central piece that's going to be able to mine all this data and talk to it and understand it. So the hardest piece right now for being able to crack to have this industry really start to grow on the technology side is really trying to get everything into one place and be able to pull all the data together. And that's one of the pieces that MuleSoft does in a non-traditional way, like being able to pull together, as you said, truly legacy systems with some disparaged information and have in a pretty easy way and I, 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 nothing in our industry is easy, though we... You know, yeah, I'm you know. the one who's famous for saying that and putting our foot in our mouth, so let's not, let's not go there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That sounds simple. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's, more, it's not easy button yet, but it's, uh, but it's pretty close. But being able to pull all these legacy data systems in together and then being able to see them tied together with your customer data to get a more complete view. With that, one of the things they really demonstrated was their new Customer 360 platform for how we can take all of these uh, different servers and log them and put them into one place or get them to talk to each other. Yeah, they were very excited about that. And, and it's really exciting, actually, when you see it come into uh, you know, a demo and see it actually working. So they basically bought MuleSoft. But I think that MuleSoft is probably powering some of this underneath it. Don't quote me on that. That's not my level of expertise on it. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do know that you know what they're doing is Salesforce took that one step further and put it into what they call customer 360. And it's, it's a visualization of all of this data in one place. So basically, what you can do now is not only with disparaged legacy systems, but you have to understand if you're new to Salesforce or the thought process of Salesforce, they have these different pieces called clouds. So, you know, they have a service cloud, they have a marketing cloud, they have a, you know, um, a sales cloud, which would be your, your, your traditional CRM. And they all have slightly different uses built off of the same base platform. They still have siloed data within each of them. So you have to imagine that, you know, if you've got a really powerful marketing cloud and a really powerful sales piece, you need to have them talking to each other. That's what Salesforce is all about. Well, this customer 360 view, what it does is it basically ties not only your legacy systems together, but now all of the cloud data together in a super easy way to visualize your client. And on top of it, they've now built in, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in a little bit, Einstein's AI systems into all of these pieces so that they could better mine that data as well. And just to explain how visual this was, it was literally, you know, here's your core, you know, Salesforce server, and then, oh, click this little plus sign to add on whatever other 
data warehouse you have, whether that be another cloud or another server. And, you know, basically connected them and then refresh and boom, it's showing you how many contacts now are living within that entire ecosystem and not duplicating them, but actually matching up contacts on both of them. So you're basically building a more complete consumer profile. So you think about if you knock in an ideal world where your insurance data is sitting on one server and your investment is sitting on another or, and your, you know, your marketing stuff on something else and you can tie those all in together and it auto magically matches up based on a couple of key uh, search criteria, you know, that is an incredibly powerful tool. It's getting more and more powerful on that side. You know, you and I work in this and and we're techno geeks. So we're, you know, we're, we're looking at this stuff all the time. And and sometimes, uh, you know, we're, I think, take for granted the fact of the depth of knowledge that we have gained over this time. But I was talking to someone the other day that they were talking about their biggest problem right now is just deduplication, which is taking data inside and having, you know, some duplicates of the same person over and over and over again, and then wanting to make sure that you don't have those duplicate records. This is something that people are still dealing with in legacy systems, because that's the way traditional data models worked. And, you know, we take it for granted now, but Salesforce has not only cracked that nut with some built-in tools already just for being able to match people, but now with this advent of artificial intelligence, being able to, you know, look at patterns and be able to pull together the fact that, you know, uh, Bob, Robert, Rob, and, and uh, you know, are all the same person based on X criteria that are there and starting to bring up things to clean up your data automatically. It's amazing the level of automation that's now being built into our world just from these tools being able to, you know, continue growing as they are. So, so let's talk about that. So one of the big pushes they had was their, their AI platform, Einstein, and they did it in, and there was two very, very noticeable instances. The first one they profiled heavily, which was Einstein Voice which starts off like voice dictation, but is much more powerful than that. So I'll let Alex uh, tell us what you saw there. Yeah, so Einstein voice was was really interesting. So what they're basically doing is it starts off and uh, imagine a, uh, a situation, again, our industry is a great example for this. If you're going to properly take care of your client over years and years and years, uh, you know, you're writing robust notes every single time that you get together with them. And we want to write notes based on the fact that we're why the reasons are that we're making decisions, what we're doing inside their accounts. But from that come triggers of things that we need to do. And, you know, those all would traditionally be tasks that you have to build off or cases that you have to build off. And each of those things, it's not that it takes a ridiculous amount of time, but each and every individual thing that you have to punch into a system is going to take more and more out of your day. So what Einstein Voice does now is you sit there and you dictate into your computer basically what it is that your notes are. But imagine that as you're doing it, you're just literally speaking out the fact And now for Lucy, we need to sell X and move, uh, you know, Y to a different account. And while you're doing that, Einstein is smart enough within the recognition of what you're asking it to do to dictate that into point form. And then those point form notes suddenly become magically highlit underneath. And those highlights link to these cases and these tasks that have been automatically spun out based on what it is that you were dictating. And it was doing other stuff like, you know, if you used Lucy's name, but didn't use her last name, but you were doing it in context of other things, it was going through your database and automatically looking at the Lucy's that it would make sense and then giving you the options and linking them directly to your notes. It was pretty, pretty amazing at 
the level that it can go through. And this is one of the things that they've been really focusing on in the last couple of years is Einstein, the difference in Einstein from other um, AIs is the fact that it's really supposed to be the piece that makes your data actionable. And that's what they're doing with this Einstein voice now. They're having a real amazing time with what it is that it's doing. And it's interesting too, because I mean, there are still severe limitations on uh, voice recognition. I mean, as we've recently found out, Amazon employs thousands of people listening to our Alexas to figure out what it is we mean when, when they can't, when Alexa can't figure it out. And right. the way Salesforce has gotten around this is, again, some of this stuff is, is definitely far from perfect, but it is mission critical in cases because you can't go afford to screw up numbers on sales invoices and everything else. So what they've done is essentially they, they take it all, but then they ask you to confirm, right? And, you know, when you think about that, it still involves a human step, but it's definitely the most important one, which is, you know what, we've, yeah, here's this note you left for Alex and this action item for your assistant to follow up with them. And this invoice needs to be sent and you're changing the amount just touch once to confirm that these are all correct. So it's taking 95% of it out of the way and not worrying about the last mile, which is probably a good case. I was going to say this next piece to, to the end, but we should talk about it now. So just because it builds on Einstein, the other big trend I noticed, and it was just across, it was across so many applications, was the concept of next best action, which is a big AI kind of, not quite my big AI goal, which is I had someone call me with X, what's the next best thing I should do and then if I do that and I get Y in return, how does that change my follow-up action? So if you can imagine scripting out, you know, think about the old call centers where it's like client protest says this, well, you say this in response. I mean, nothing so nefarious as that, but client calls in, someone passed away. Okay. Condolences, all that other stuff. Double check. Here's what you're going to you, It's going to suddenly then pull up all the insurance information they have or all the stuff related to that specific task. We actually mm-hmm. sat through a demo where Manuela had built these kind of life event cases where if someone calls in and has one of these, it triggers an entire flow of responses. And when you think about the power of that, the ability to kind of not so much script, but intuitively adapt to the responses the client's giving you, that's game changing. Absolutely. And, and what's really interesting about all this stuff is traditionally we're used to having to program in rules. So you can still do that. If you have a, a, a business that you've spent all of these years making sure and ensuring a process, you're not just going to throw that out. You can build in those business rules in the next, next best action. So now they're followed every time because they're prompted every time something happens to your client or your customer, you're prompted as the advisor or the person working with that customer to, to do these next actions. So it's easier from that perspective. But then what they've built in now is the AI can now kick in as well and start to provide you suggestions and next best actions. And what that's doing is, is it's looking into all of your data, what it's seen in past patterns, where things have been successful, where clients have been successful. And now it's going to spit out, have you thought about this? And the tough thing is to come up with examples because the reason AI is so new the reality is, you know, you start talking to them about, you know, what can it do? And, and their answer usually is, well, throw it at it and let's see. Yeah. Because, and I mean, it, in all honesty, too, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy, too, because the, I sit back and think about this from both the standpoint of, wow, that's awesome. I can do so many great things with it. But I really do worry about, we're looking at it from the point of benevolence. And I think about things like nefarious debt collectors and how that can be abused. So with all great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, I worry about the, the lack of it in this space. But I mean, nevertheless, it's going to happen and it's cool. We can use it to do great things. And if people do, do, do bad things, well, all you can do. 
Another thing actually I want to touch upon was um, the integration with another product that they started called Quip. So this is an interesting tool. It's kind of their answer to Slack. And for those of you not on Slack, you need to I basically run my entire life off it now. But it's a collaboration platform. Uh, you care to describe what it does, Alex? Uh, Slack or Quip? Quip. <laughs> We're not selling Slack. So. <laughs> so Quip, I would say it's uh, it's very much like my feeling has been it's very, it's very much like Google Docs as well. It's basically, a, a colla- as you said, a collaboration platform, but it gives you the ability to be able to have live documents that you're working on in a collaborative environment. And it's built into the same platform, development platform that Salesforce itself was developed on, Heroku, I believe. So what it ends up doing is it ends up integrating in with your client and customer data as well. So imagine a world where you're, you know, you're building live documents and while you're doing that in a collaborative environment with other people within your team, uh, you're also able to pull in widgets of data and pieces of data that are live within your database with your client information. So it's a little hard to just, I mean, that's the best, the best that I can do, I think, from a description perspective, but it, playing with it, and, and there's a free demo, and, and you and I got on it for some stuff, and we've been in meetings, I'll tell you, it's funny, meeting notes, we'll be there taking notes, and we'll both be taking notes on the same Quip document, so not only are we taking notes and not duplicating what we're doing, we're doing it in an additive way, but we also have a way to be able to instantly discuss things with each other, which is really neat. But the interest, yeah, and the thing is, is that now with the tighter integration into Salesforce, you're able to link parts of that conversation directly to client files or to client cases, right? So you can mm-hmm. think of a you know, giant, think of it as a really built out chat window that lets you work on stuff at the same time, but also lets you link to whatever data is in Salesforce and then everything just dynamically links to it itself. So it's pretty crazy. So, and it was, you know, this is, like I said, I, I credited Slack because they were kind of the ones who created the space. Now, Quip is a pretty, you know, for anyone using Salesforce, it's a pretty good contender. And now Microsoft recently launched Microsoft Teams along the same lines. And it's funny we're talking about this because Slack is about to IPO shortly and apparently pricing is later today on uh, Monday, April 15th. So we'll see. But uh, anyone not using these tools, take a hard look because they can definitely help you collaborate better. And if you're on Salesforce, take a really good look there because yeah, that integration is tight. And the last thing I want to talk about briefly is their training platform. So interestingly enough, their training platform for how to use Salesforce is actually so bloody good that they've started selling it as a standalone product. So that's Salesforce trailhead. Let's, Let's talk about what that looks like, Alex. Absolutely. I, you know, I had been in this space a long time ago, back when we were doing uh, CD-ROM development, uh, before the advent of the web, and, uh, you know, getting into educational training and training with some of the government agencies and corporations, and trying to distill learning objectives into something that will come across to a user allow them to learn and then be able to test those objectives, make sure that they learned it. It's a science. And being able to replicate that in a process over and over and over again with such complicated pieces of information that they're trying to get across, it's pretty amazing. What they've done is they've been able to basically create a learning environment, a self-learning environment that any piece within the Salesforce platform you can learn about and become an expert in on your own inside of this. And they've built it with these badge system and these paths that allow you to basically build upon your knowledge 
and do it within whatever direction you want. So if you want to go in a development direction, you're going to go in a certain path, but it's not a linear path. There's 80 different things that you could specialize in within that area and you can build your own learning along the way. And um, they've just done an amazing job. And then on, you know, if you want to become a certified person within the Salesforce, uh, world, then you know you do have to physically go at some point and and do some uh, examining. But outside of that, you know, if you want to become an expert in Salesforce or just be able to understand from an administrative perspective how it is that you're going to be able to keep your instance running without having to go to a Salesforce partner all the time, you could do that on your own now. But it's beyond that. I mean, I'm on the site right now and they even have like learn privacy and data protection laws. So like they even have courses on how to comply with GDPR online, which applies to anything you're doing online, right? Like they, yeah, and they've gamified, right? So you basically get badges every time you pass something, you get scores, you know, for those of us who care about <laughs> gamification, it's a little bit of a dream there. And yeah, even, even keeping your certifications up to date. And, you know, this is, this is so well built out that now we're seeing other companies come on board and just white label the entire thing and put their train because you can host texts, uh, related uh, queries, you can hold video, uh, you can create, I mean, there's, um, there's a, like a sandbox version where you can actually play around with it and do the development work yourself without causing any, any problems to your, um, to your base system. And then on top yeah. of that, you know, there's also there's, there's the ability to quiz and score people on it. So overall, um, it is kind of the complete widget. And frankly, I looked at this and thought to myself, hmm, there's probably applications for university here too. <laughs> well, there's applications for any anywhere that you're going to be learning. They've done such an amazing job of being able job. to distill this information down and be able to get it across. But one thing that I would say to anyone that's listening is whether or not you're going to get involved in Salesforce or you're going to uh, go down a road of wanting to use it or I I would suggest that everyone just sign up to a Trailhead account because as you just said, there's so many different things that they do from a general technology learning as well of what's going on in the industry right now. And they're so good at being able to distill that down. They're on a development side, if you want to get really geeked out, they have a whole thing on Git and GitHub and how it all pulls together. Anyone that's an old developer like me, they used to do this, you know, I was developing back when object-oriented programming started to come out, <laughs> you know, so, you know, now the development techniques are so amazing on how you can uh, be iterative with your, with your development. The tools have changed so much. And Salesforce, this is a, basically a generalized type of piece. It's not specific to their platform, but they want to uh, pass on as much knowledge as they can. And they had a whole trail on it. It was amazing. I mean, for anyone who's used Udemy or Lynda.com, it's very similar in that response, but sorry, it's very similar in that regard, but it's, you know, it's basically taking, for example, this course here on accelerating analytics with apps, five and a half hour course broken down into what they call trails, which is essentially like, here's all the different sub courses you need to know. And they're broken down in the 10 to 30 minute intervals. So it's completely digestible. You can, you can do them on breaks. It's pretty fantastic. It's a great little, I mean, it's a, it's a business on its own, quite honestly. So just really quickly, I, I, I just, the other thing is, is I think it brings us to one of the things that we haven't said about Salesforce that is really important is that, you know, the traditional development model of you having to hire a partner, build you out a CRM, and then every time you need to do something within it, you're going to have to go back to that partner again, and you're going to have to pay for them to do it. 
And this is a really good example of how the dynamics have changed because really now you've got the tools to be able to empower yourself or empower your team, you know, that you have there that may not have the skill set, but you can give them the knowledge all for free and just hand that over to them to be able to self-learn how to do the simple things to be able to keep this instance going. And now suddenly you're in a dynamic where you pay a partner to develop something that's real mission critical and specialized to your business, but you're not tied to them for every single thing you have to do in the future. And that's a huge shift in the dynamics of cost around this as well. So that basically, I think, serves as a pretty good summary of what we saw there. I mean, there was, uh, wasn't a huge change from previous year, but, you know, frankly, we're getting a little bit used to it. But uh, to the average person who was there for the first time, it was a lot to take in. And um, it's, it's mind-boggling, the possibilities. So, Alex, thank you for your time. Thanks for helping with the review. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. And one day we'll get on talking about one of our own businesses pretty soon. So we just got to get there. It's going to be pretty soon. Pretty soon. All right. Take care. <laughs> okay. Talk soon. Bye. So that was my conversation with Alex Martin about the review of Salesforce World Tour 2019. Hope you enjoyed that. Look into the platform. It is very impressive what you can do with it, but it does involve some heavy lifting. As always, thank you for joining me. My name is Jason Pereira. This is Fintech Impact. And if you enjoyed it, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you. Take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at fintechimpact.co.